Hello, everyone, and welcome to Opera After Dark. <laughs> that is actually, I just suddenly okay. realized, something from Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, really? <laughs> I, so, I don't know if it's like my, my altered, <laughs> altered mental state, but as I would, like, I could... I thought I felt my pitch wandering, but then I didn't know if that was actually happening or not. <laughs> like a little, you went like a little flat, but. Yeah, okay, well, I'm sorry. I, it's all right, it's okay. It's, it's we'll cool. call it the altered mental state. So that was our semi drunken version of 12th century chant. <laughs> <laughs> because today yes. our topic is. Hildegard von Bingen. Boo. We or thought we were. Also known as Gertrude. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle couldn't remember her name earlier, so henceforth. Her She'll alternate be name known is as Gertrude. Gertrude. <laughs> so we said we were done with badass women, but then we realized that Hildegard might be the most badass of all. So mm-hmm. we are tapping her onto that series. So here is part four <laughs> of Badass Women. We're just going to tap Hildegard. Good. Great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to start our what a way to start an episode of Badass Women with woman. like a tiny bit of yep. sexism. Okay. okay. What are we drinking today, Elspeth? Oh, well, we are drinking a wine that thematically has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It's from southeastern Australia, um, and Hildegard was obviously, duh, born in West Franconia, which is, you know, Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're drinking uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, like we usually do, and this wine we bought basically because the bottle name is awesome. It's called Whoop Whoop. Whoop Whoop. Whoop Whoop. <laughs> Um, Whoop Whoop Wine was founded around a barbecue by three mates amongst our vines, a glass or two in hand. Oh, can you read this in an Australian accent? I was going to say, no, accent? you should do I it can't. in an Australian. I'm, I can't do an Australian uh, accent. I don't know. How do you say Whoop Whoop in an Australian accent? I have no idea. Whoop. I can't do it at all. No. I'm going to skip the title. You know it's Whoop Whoop. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wine was founded around a barbecue uh, by three mates amongst our vines, a glass or two in hand. And just in time to crack the first vintage of the millennium. Hey, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's very disjunct, though, because <laughs> I'm having to think really hard about it. Whoop whoop, a much-uttered knockabout co- colloquialism, refers to somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Whoop whoop is quintessentially Australian for out there. Well, all right, so we learned something. Whoop whoop means out there. Okay. In Australian. You know, so, over in the, the whoop whoop. In the whoop whoop. Please forgive poor Australian accents. Our Australian listeners, <laughs> I apologize. Sure. Um, so on that note, let's leave Australia and let's go to what is now Germany in the 12th century. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little something about this woman, Naomi. All right. Well, Hildegard... I found a really hilarious description of her on BuzzFeed, Mm -hmm. which said this. It was in a list of, like, badass names for female babies born today. Oh. And if you want to, like, imbue them with some kind of historical significance. Mm -hmm. So they said, name your daughter Hildegard for Hildegard von Bingen, or Hilda, if you must, or even Sybil, because she was known as Sybil of the Rhine. Old Hildy, you see, was an advisor to kings and popes and more. She was a composer and a writer and a mystic and a poet and about a hundred other things. She also wrote important scientific and medical treatises because why not? Is your future daughter a mystic and a polymath? Mm -hmm. Then let's hear it for baby Hilds. 
Mm. Awesome. So, I love all the nicknames in there. <laughs> yes. Well, she Hilds. But Her family was pretty, like, was pretty rich, right? They, they were, were nobles, right? They were nobles, yes. And so she was born into a semi-wealthy family. They were lower nobility, and she was oh, heavens. offered to the church, they say, as a young at a young uh, age. Was so she a younger sibling? It's possible. Plus, it was because since she was a little, from when she was very little, she had visions, right? Yes, and so... She was known to have mm-hmm. these visions, and so I think her family was like, we should give her to the church because maybe these are divinely inspired. Right. Huh. And so she becomes connected with the church. Many people have hypothesized what her possible neurological ailments could be that might have brought on the visions. Mm-hmm. So some people have suggested that she suffered from chronic migraines. Some say epilepsy. Um, apparently, she did suffer from other physical ailments, and she herself even said that there was a strong correlation to when she experienced some kind of physical pain and when these visions would appear to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, because of this close connection with the church, she came into contact with this woman named Juta or Yuta, J-U-T-T-A. I have no idea. But I'll go with Utah. Utah. Definitely Utah. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Utah uh, lived mostly a fairly cloistered life, but was not technically a nun or some such thing. And but she lived in a convent, right? Right, and okay. she taught and preached and like that type of thing. So she lived a very strong life dedicated to the church. Well, apparently, not to jump ahead or interrupt you, but I'm going to jump ahead and interrupt you. Um, the brief stuff I read about this was that if you wanted your female child to be educated in any way the best thing to do was put them in a convent because Mm -hmm. they were these huge places of learning for women in a time when that was not really a thing that was done yes for sure Mm -hmm. so people did that even if then their daughter wasn't going to become a nun but they still wanted her to to learn then they like yank them out I'm not sure. I don't know. Like when you technically became a nun, because there was there's like a training time, yeah. and then there's a time where you take your vows, and mm. so you can be in a convent for a long time and technically not be a right. full fledged nun, huh. but you can reap all the benefits of, you know, the learning and atmosphere mm-hmm. of the convent. So Hildegard mm-hmm. became close with this mentoress of hers, Utah, and learned quite a bit and she was obviously very bright and very smart and then when she was 38 years old Hildegard she became the leader of a convent so she you know somewhere along the line took her vows became a legit nun and then she starts being in charge of all these other women and she continued all of her studies so she studied music she studied philosophy she studied science and medicine and literature was this all at all at the convent wow did they bring in people who were experts in these fields, or was it just there was this incredible library? There must have been this library. I don't know for sure, but, you know, like monks, the male version of nuns, right. were known for having these incredible libraries at monasteries and that sort of thing. So it seems like huh. she would have some kind of access to resources and books and that sort of thing, even mm-hmm. if they're kind of being filtered in and out of the convent through, I don't know, trade with the monasteries, uh-huh. yeah. something like that. I don't know. And so she's leading this convent of women, and she starts writing both, like, 
literature type works. And also she starts preaching and she starts composing music. And so nice. over time, the Pope ends up learning that this woman leading this convent is like producing all of this stuff and has become somewhat of an authority in her community mm-hmm. in different ways. And so she ends up sending him some of her compositions because he requests it to see you know, what's going on. And he's so taken with her music and thinks it's so divinely inspired that he basically gives her carte blanche to like compose as much as she wants because he believes oh, it's nice. all from God. Right. Wow. And so and this, this is definitely at a time where women did not do this kind of stuff. Right. Definitely did not do this kind of stuff. Hmm. So she basically is composing without any kind of oversight or anybody dictating what she has to compose about. Mm -hmm. And so she composes all kinds of things. And some people say that she composed like the first pseudo opera, although it's technically not an opera because opera didn't really exist, but it was like a morality play. Mm -hmm. And so a liturgical (laughs) play with music. Ordo Virtutum, right? Yes, Order of the Virtues. Wow, you just have that in your recall. So when I was in grad school, they did it. Oh, in really? In a church. That's the only reason I know that. Huh. What's the plot? It's basically about the struggle of the human soul against evil, right? And so... I just imagine it being like something where like people do like, in quotes, bad things, like not moral things, and then really bad things happen to them. Well, know? in it... The devil is actually a character. Nice. And partly why it's considered, you know, really famous and interesting dramatically is because she gives, there's different singers that are the characters of all the different virtues that are mentioned Mm -hmm. in the Bible, right? And then the devil is trying to tempt people away from these virtues, but the devil is a purely speaking role. The devil never sings Mm. in it because she talked about how she didn't feel like it was dramatically appropriate or represented evil to have evil, but an evil character in a representation of the devil singing beautiful music. Mm-hmm. That's right? true. I was gonna say, so, I was gonna ask uh, what voice type the devil was, but clearly. He's a speaking role. Speaking role, and all the other roles are by, a, I guess trebles would be what you would call it. Right. Like female women, singers. Female singers, all in the treble clef kind of thing. Oh. Yeah. So. Well, I guess because it was a religious thing, the women were allowed to sing. Well, nuns were allowed to sing in convents, uh, so I don't think they women. were. I don't think they were allowed to sing in like public church services. Mm-hmm. Is my understanding of it? Huh. But they did a lot of singing in convents. So yeah. then, who did they perform this for? It wasn't really. Well, I don't know about Ordo Virtutum, mm-hmm. but. I think they sang mostly, generally speaking, for out of their part of their own devotional, uh, right? Their right. devotion and practice for themselves. Mm-hmm. But then this is the type of thing that was clearly, like maybe performed for each other or possibly in services for the benefit well, no, of the community. Because the Pope was like, "Do whatever you want," yeah. and so she just nice. did whatever she wanted, and she really did. Yes. And so the women sing. She actually <laughs> uh, was responsible for like moving the nuns to an even larger convent and I think she became known for like buying up old properties or her convent would like buy up old properties that belonged to the church and restore them. She's flipping houses. <laughs> flipping <Nice>. convents. <laughs> flipping convents. Hildy. Before HGTV was even a thing. Yeah. Yes. Good for so her. So she was and she became 
really good at expanding a convent and making it really prosperous. And one of the ways that she did this, apparently, was that she kind of relaxed some of the rules mm -hmm. for being a nun. So one of the things that, like before Hildegard, um, was considered a reason why women really didn't want to become nuns was because there were really strict rules about what you could wear and like vanity and that sort of thing. Mm. And so she instituted this rule that wearing jewelry was okay because it was oh, um, so, like a way of praising God through mm -hmm. like your dress, right? Yeah. And so this apparently made uh, the nunnery appeal more to like aristocratic ladies. Who I can wanna, keep my jewels. Yes, right? they didn't want to give wear up. wear my pretty things. Wearing their pretty things. And so then she ended up getting all these wealthy women to join her convent. That is smart. And with them came a lot of money yeah. from their families. And so she had lots of you know, new recruits and wow. was very large, her convent, for a long, long time. And so uh, she did stuff like that. She also is known for... What, being one of the first women to write about female sexuality in any way in her like medical and scientific oh, writings. What? Yes. What? So. Like, what are we talking about? If you don't mind me asking. Well, I have an excerpt, a translated excerpt. Please. From a book that was called something like Bizarre Facts and and Factoids or something like that, and mm -hmm. it had this whole section on Seems Hildegard, plausible. the genius. <laughs> And so she wrote, uh, it was the first woman to write about female sexuality saying, quote, and this is a translation, when a woman is making love with a man, a sense of heat in her brain, which brings with it sensual delight, communicates the taste of that delight during the act and summons forth the emission, emission of the man's seed. And when the seed has fallen oh. into its place, that... Vehement heat descending from her brain draws the seed to itself and holds it, and soon the woman's sexual organs contract, and all the parts that are ready to open up during the time of menstruation now close in the same way as a strong man can hold something enclosed in his fist. Wait one second. Oh. Wait one second. How did she know that? I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Because <laughs> I'm assuming... I've just studied, okay? Right. Um, <laughs> I just, there's books. Like, so. was she doing medical tests where she observed people having sex? Like, I'm assuming she became a nun at a very young age. She was in a comment with a bunch of, of women. She wouldn't know anything about, you know, heteronormative sex. I have no That's idea. What you think. I maybe she had this side piece that we just don't know anything about. Oh, that would be great. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I really like this woman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds like. I don't know. I mean, we know what she's describing, mm -hmm. more or less. Right. I don't know how scientifically accurate it is. I but think for the time. For I the mean, time, this must you know? have been, like, hugely What time is it? Like, 11? 1098 is when she's born. Oh. oh okay. Yeah, so, so it's like 11-something. Yeah, I mean, the 1100s. Not yeah. 1099? Right? Not 1099. That would be... <laughs> that would be something. Bizarre. Um, yeah. Why don't we take a break and listen to something? Yes. Should we listen to... Ordo Yeah, let's listen to some of that morality play.
That is some good stuff. That's the kind of thing, like, you walk into a cathedral, like a big church, mm-hmm. and you just want there to be something like that mm-hmm. being sung at that moment. It was beautiful. That's really great. Are there mm-hmm. any operas about her life? Because I feel like she's hugely important and people don't know anything about her. I want to you up. about her? Yeah. Maybe not, but maybe somebody should compose one. I've never heard of one. I mean, a bunch of people have written about her because Mm -hmm. she did so much. Oh, she also invented her own language. What? Yeah. Of course she did. Shoot. Her own version... Her own version of a Latin alphabet, basically. Oh, Or no, her own version of Latin with an accompanying invented alphabet. That kind of makes... She invented a written language. Yes. It makes her sound a little bit far out there, though. You know? No, I think that if you... Well, just imagine. You're living in a convent or a monastery for you. um, And Mm -hmm. your, your day is basically devoted to prayer and study. I mean, this is what you do. Yeah. If you had that much time on your hands to learn things, wouldn't you sort of branch out and well, I would do something fun? <laughs> I mean, like I've learned enough things and I need to create more of Well, obviously own. she was a very creative person. She wrote That's all true. this music. Huh. Apparently there's a song cycle written in 1997 by Tilo Medic. For mezzo soprano, clarinet, and piano, ooh, uh, called nice uh, Monat's Bilde nach Hildegard von Bingen. So I think it's all inspired by her life. Like all the texts are inspired by her. Huh. Cool. And there's a bunch of stuff that was written inspired by her. Mm-hmm. There's also um, some pop songs, or <laughs> what appears to be a pop song. There's a a sort of cantata for her. There's a musical in ten scenes by Peter Janssen. Oh, um, text by Jutta Richter. Closer to an opera. So, all right. So we just need stuff. to adapt that into an opera. An actual opera. All right. Yeah. We'll just consider this an official call for composers. You know, make it happen. If you want to make it work, you can reach us at any of our first names at operaafterdark.com. <laughs> Well, or there's the social media. How did she? How did she die? Well, she lived to the age of eighty. So oh damn, girl, she lived wow. a pretty long time. Yeah, and she had a little bit of a falling out with the church because she allowed an excommunicated person to be buried in a church cemetery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's and too cool for the she's, church, she's too cool. basically. Right, and then. She, the church ordered her to like move him, and she refused to dig up his body because he'd already been buried. Mm-hmm. Um, She's reasonable. And She's a stand-up person. Yeah, and I don't really know exactly how she died. Let me see if I can. Probably old age. I mean, well, eighty back eighty in back the twelfth century. Yeah, that's She's like the oldest person that anybody knew. I would think so. Because I'm assuming everyone died at like fifteen. That's the equivalent of over a hundred now yeah I would, I would imagine yeah because back then the life expectancy I'm sure was on average less than you know 40 or 50 mm. I think even as late as like 1800 the life expectancy was around that 40 or 50 I don't know if that's true I think so yeah I mm-hmm. mean I I read it in an article that 
I couldn't tell you the source off the top of my head. So you read it on the internet. You never know. <laughs> so it which, must be true. Which means <laughs> it's true. Factual. If it's on. In the any internet. case, we can agree with or without the internet that that was an impressive lifespan. Yeah. I can't find the exact cause of death, but I mean, she had these like physical ailments and then saw visions her whole life. Right. So I'm assuming it's connected with that. And or just old age. Old age. And apparently the nuns that were with her when she died said that uh, two streams of light appeared in the sky and a cross appeared over the room where she was dying. And so she had this like very strong spiritual experience in death. That might be something that if she was a man, don't you think that like she might have been set like a fixture within the church? I mean, she already was pretty impressive within the church, but... You think they would have made her a saint if she was a man? Yes. I they did so. they make her a saint. Oh, they did make her a saint. Yeah. Okay, well. They enough. did. Trap. Saint Hildegard. Saint yes. Hildy. And she has a day that's dedicated to celebrating her. Also, there's a planet named September. after her. There is? Yeah. Where? Wow. There's a minor planet. Okay, she got her stuff. You know. <laughs> a minor planet 898 Hildegard is named for her. Wow. It orbits the sun. That's all it says. <laughs> like our so sun? So it's in our solar it's system? It's in our, I guess so. A minor planet orbiting the sun. Like a dwarf named. planet? Like beyond Pluto? Well, a minor planet is simply an astronomical object that ah. orbits the sun. Oh. That is neither a planet nor exclusively classified as a comet. So we're maybe we're not sure exactly what it is. Huh. It can be a dwarf planet, asteroids, um, uh, asteroid, or a whole list of other things. Well, that's so, still really that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Good for her. I mean, she might not have even known what an asteroid was. Yeah, I would probably not. Although, if anyone <laughs> you know saw one in a vision, it would be her. Hey. <laughs> That's really great. So, you go, Hildegard. Pretty badass, and I we, think. Yeah, we think she was the first woman who was allowed to publicly preach, and also she's the first female on record composer in music history. Oh my so, gosh! So incredible. With compositions, you know, mm-hmm. attached to her name as the author. So how often do people currently perform her works? Maybe, and that's a hard thing to gauge. Maybe like one yeah, to ten. I don't know. I like one. <laughs> <laughs> but they still are performed periodically because Elspeth, you said that your my when conservatory you're in, did it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you always study her in music history survey courses, mm-hmm. and you usually have to name some of her music in like listening exams and that sort of thing. So, but I think she should be known more. I think that she should be done more. Yes, because she's obviously badass, and she needs her due. Twenty seventeen, year of Hildy. Yes, right. Let's make it well, happen. I mean, Sybil of the Rhine. One of these days, Sybil we'll of the Rhine. we'll see that there's a Hildy opera that's composed. Yeah, and AKA. Gertrude. <laughs> <laughs> call, call me Gertrude. <laughs> what uh, voice type would she be, Hildegard? Soprano. I think so. Oh, really? You don't think? I was thinking mezzo. I was thinking mezzo. Because she's I mean, like I'm very. Also fine with that, she's like but... very wise, mm-hmm. very you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Uh, very probably matronly. Matronly. I don't know. Well, well except when she was doing older. all that dirty sex observation. <laughs> I'm not sure how she When she, she knew was that, younger, but... and even into her like 60s, 70s, and maybe 80s, that she, you know, got around. I don't know. What do you think the. Mm-hmm. Maybe they had like a, a monk, like sister school. A monk, <laughs> <laughs> a monk liaison. A, a monk liaison. <laughs> a 
monastery <laughs> just over the hill. Right. They paired for like dances and stuff. I don't Wouldn't know. Wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool? No, prayer if, circles? I don't know. If there was, you know, a modern opera that was done on her, but the music was very much based off of that chant. There has to be something like that. I'm sure there is. I'm sure okay. there is. If we find it, we'll link to we'll, we'll blog link to it about on the blog. It. It'll be in the blog. We'll we'll put it on on the blog. Hopefully, <laughs> putting it out yeah, into yeah. the into the air will someone will be inspired and we'll just be like, why hasn't anybody done this? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I right, guess well. because she's done all these incredible things, but I wouldn't call her life inherently dramatic. That's true. You know? Yeah. Well, for now, we'll conclude our badass women series. Although, who knows? Maybe we'll just keep it going next week. Maybe with another. We might. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I did find. Here, Wikipedia says that there is a documentary film about her ah. okay. called The Unruly Mystic St. Hildegard. Oh. If we can find it, we'll yeah. link, we'll to, link it. to it. Absolutely. We'll look for it. Yeah. And there's also a plant genus called Hildegardia, which is wow. named for her because of her contributions to herbal medicine. That's amazing. Of course. <laughs> is like there anything everything. that she did not contribute to it's in a Renaissance her lifetime? Woman. Renaissance Before woman. the Renaissance. Pre Renaissance. Pre Renaissance yeah. Renaissance woman. That's, That's right. fantastic. I recommend everybody just go online and listen to as much of her music as possible because it is obviously incredible and beautiful. Well, we'll play some of it now um, coming out. But before that, I'm Kyle. I'm Elspeth. And I'm Naomi. And we love Hildegard. We love Hildegard. She's a cool-ass lady. And this is Opera After Dark. This on my running playlist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're gonna run in slow motion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like gliding. Yes. Be good for like yoga or stretching or something. <laughs> Don't you put Hildy in a box, okay? Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Hilds. <laughs> Is it bingin' or bingin'? Bingin', I bingin'. thought. That's what really I thought. Bingin'. Mm-hmm. Ordo Virtutum. That's your big piece. Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> Wingardium Leviosa. Oh, should we pull up something by her? Naomi yeah. Naomi doesn't get it. No, I don't. <laughs> she wouldn't. What? What's it from? Harry Potter. Oh. Harry The Canticles of Ecstasy? Hey. Or girl. She's awesome. Don't have sex with people to whom you aren't married. I think she did. How else would she know that? How does she know about that? Fair enough. 
Unless, like, somebody told her about it. She, like, interviewed a bunch of women who had had sex. Don't covet thy neighbor.